106th episode of the Hondo Handys podcast has been brought to you by Residence Inn by Marriott, your journey to an unforgettable stay at the hotel in Ocean City, Maryland. Located at 300 Seabay Lane, call 410-723-2222 or find them on the web at residenceinnoc.com. My guest today is Brian Anderson. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing well today, sir. How are you? Oh, fine. I'm glad to have you on, especially uh, your fellow Salisbury University graduate. Sure. Yes. <laughs> yes, go Gauls. <laughs> um, Brian, um, let me tell my listeners a little bit about you before we get started. Um, Brian is currently the Baltimore City Local Program Director. He focuses on business development, strategic marketing to expand Special Olympics Maryland, programming in local recreation centers, Head Start programs in school, and much more. His experience consists of content development, event planning, marketing in local and international markets. He offers innovative thinking, interpersonal skills, and problem solving to any settings. Brian Passon is exhibited through his organization, Be the Mongo, Mongo, which inspires African urban African American urban youth to travel internationally and pursue internships. A graduate of Salisbury University with a BS and a mark and a master's degree, he also earned a doctorate from Kennesaw State University. Brian, you have an impressive bio. And you're just getting started. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Brian, tell my listeners a little bit about you, maybe your upbringing, and maybe you, where you grew up, and, and if you played any sports before high school. Oh, yeah, certainly. I appreciate the time and um, even to be on the show today, sir. Um, you? My upbringing. Welcome. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. welcome. I'm glad you have you on. Thank you. Thank you. But yes, um, my upbringing is pretty simple, man. Sports. Is my life, still is my life, and is the reason why I'm here today. Growing up in East Baltimore, Green Mountain 24th, that's all I knew. And outside of that, it was involved in drugs and, you know, norms of the neighborhood and of the times. Um, I grew up some of Baltimore's greats. Um, Anthony Duty Lewis was Cecil Kirk. He raised me since I was about eight, nine years old. Um, also, Tree at Lake Clifton, um, head coach there for the last, well, two decades, man. He's been a blessing and tremendous inspiration in my life. Um, certainly, just being able to have those for my neighborhood on a daily basis growing up, that's my life of where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do, and definitely set the tempo of what I'm doing right now in my life. Brian, certainly you've done well for yourself, Um uh... Uh, and congratulations on that uh, so far. What what high school did you, you attend I graduated from? I graduated from Baltimore City College. Baltimore City, okay. Uh, did you play any sports in high school? Yes, I played basketball and football in high school. Uh, I initially was able to maneuver and get a football scholarship, uh, and that's how I was able to attend college. Okay, what did you, um, what did you play football when you left high school? Yes. Um, my first year was at Albright University. I okay. There to attend Salisbury. Upon transferring to Salisbury, that was when I had got an injury, so I had to cut my career short. Brian, tell me about um, the International Club. 
the International Club. I'm sorry, you're referring to the Mogul Club? Yeah, the Mogul, yes. Yes, sir. So, Be the Mogul was a club that I originally started while on campus at Salisbury University. I was the president of Men of Distinction. So, initially, it was a club to educate young Black men on preparing them for uh, the school. Um, you know, dealing with... Uh, a predominantly white institution, but also preparing us for life skills gaps that we wanted. So we focused on some of the very minute things in life that we probably didn't consider, but was very needed, like a 30-second elevator speech. How are we selling ourselves? How are we putting ourselves in different rooms to be able to be a sponge on the wall to hear about these careers and get introduced and networking with people that are aligning in the same fields as ourselves? So by us being able to break these simple matters down into things that were tangible for us to grow and learn as the club we were able to maneuver and teach a lot of different business um, even develop business plans for a lot of our individuals not even just men who were a part of group we had a, a women's committee as well that was there who was supporting us in every which way shape or form so that overall community of being um entrepreneur the idea of saying for giving back and ultimately thinking about how we can inspire our community and our future self and have an impact in our career on an international level in our local communities. So that was the premise of uh, Be The Mogul there at the university. And now it's expanded on a whole different level. Now I have my blog, uh, which is um, revolving around called The Mogul Club, where I tell my story about growing up here in Greenmount, um, East Baltimore, and how the trials and tribulations that I've been through has now developed me into a well more equipped man to travel to do these things that I love to do um, when I'm overseas. How to the survival has uh, now granted me with the, the fearlessness to want to uh, attempt these things that I've wanted to experience. So ultimately me telling my story, me being able to connect with other quote unquote moguls who are now having an international um, force with the work that they do and telling that story is African-Americans that's now being able to now trickle down to our younger youth to inspire them to want to travel and to have these international careers as well. So let's not only educate and inspire and to see the next generation have opportunities as me. And that's what I'm trying to do through my Be The Mogul um, club. Excellent. Excellent, man. Now, a lot of this started with sports. So do you have a favorite sports memory or maybe two that you'd like to share? Memories? Yes. Man, I know you had a lot of them. <laughs> um, I would say the first sports memory that set precedent in my life for what I wanted in my future was um, 13 under AAU. We went to Memphis, Tennessee. I was 11 years old. Uh, my 11 U team didn't get to go um, to Nationals that year, but I was good enough. And I asked Coach, like, you know, can I come? And that experience itself was tremendous due to the fact of simply me having that 13-hour road trip across the country and seeing that at a young age at 11 years old. And regardless of how the tournament was, happy to be there and just to get the experience to travel and go to uh, the Martin Luther King um, hotel room, go down to Bill Street, they really engraved in us that cultural experience as well, just not the, the physical you know, atmosphere of us being there to play. So that experience opened my eyes to so much more. And my family and friends who was, you know, I was growing up with, after the game we lost, man, I'm ready to go back home, I'm ready to be on the block. I'm like, man, I'm trying to stay out here. Like, you know, because every Friday we leave, even if we back, somebody got 
Somebody got shot. Yeah. Hit, like, so it was just more of a thing. Like, damn, bro, I'm glad I wasn't home. Oh, I'm, I dodged the bullet today. So me seeing that opportunity going travel weekend and seeing everything that was going back home, it was a you know, no-brain opportunity. Like, this is the way I want to go. And ultimately, uh, that's uh, that story changed my life. But then, um, like I said, that was a situation just dealing with sports. Um, I was able to work at the United Nations, at UNESCO in Paris, um, during the start of COVID. So COVID started March 2020. I was there January 2020, um, right yeah. before COVID happened. And being able to find my place within a huge institution, this is the United Nations, I was working in the education department. Me having an understanding in sports and a background in sports, my education, um, undergrad is international relations. Um, and then, you know, sports deliberate background and how sports diplomacy plays a role in our development and, you know, things like that. I was a very specific in my development and being able to see how the educational um, projects that they were working on flowed with sports content and how sports content can now impact the goals of what the United Nations were trying to felt like, like I could bring extreme value there. That was one of the, um, the biggest things that I had was being able to work on proposal with the Premier League um, out of Europe to focus on anti-Semitism and racist policies and procedures that could be implemented to help the fan, game, coach, player experience due to the cultural dynamics within Europe that's been built around soccer and the teams and the leagues and how, you know, something as simple as a German team playing against um, an Israeli team and how um, nuanced uh, uh, versus, um, you know, vulgar language that's being produced by the fans to the teams, to the apples and the bananas being thrown at African-Americans on the mm. field, to the fans yeah. being, um, fighting after the game. So, like, all those different um, areas was now being impacted um, on policy that I was able to help, um, you know, create and rank. So that was a strange blessing that I was able to um, be a part of. Show me the model of how I can create different opportunities for myself in this industry. Man, that's outstanding. So, back to back to sports. You 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 got a scholarship to Albright, but uh, was that your first choice when you were looking at colleges? Man, honestly, I ain't gonna lie to you, sir. Um, coming from where I grew up at, I had not many options. You feel me? And uh, basketball okay. was my basketball was where I was at. My senior year, I got hurt, so I wasn't able to play. And any interest that I did have, I kind of lost. And I wound up just going with the the option that I had the most of. basically took for a guidance counselor to go in and actually, you know, my little you know, college deposit or whatever. Oh. It's like, yeah, you're going to go, you know, and you're going to make this happen. Because I didn't even have the money to go. And I was like, man, like, I, the, uh, it was another D2 school I was going to assign to that, uh, you know, we're, you know, on the limbo with that. So, and I but she knew my family situation was like, no, Brian, you got and That was just the best opportunity for me. And Albright turned out to be the best because um, the international population there is is huge compared to the size of being 12, 1,300 students. It was a good 30, 40% diverse as far as international students there. So for me to get that experience of meeting people who weren't like me and that didn't know me, and I had to kind of be able to be adaptable in my situation, 
it just only made it my situation better um, in terms of being able to culturally learn and prepare my and I was exposed to a lot of different experiences which propelled me to travel as well. Man, what, what an opportunity for you. Um, now, how did you end up at Salisbury? Um, Coach Woods at Salisbury was uh, recruiting me heavy out of high school. I had the worst SAT scores, I'm not going to lie to you. But right, I had right. decent grades in school. And um, I played my first year that – so I told you I was inspired by a lot of individuals to travel. Right. Um, my – during the spring while we were training for football, you know, I'm talking to an individual talking about his um, travel experience, and I'm like, man, I want to go too. So I'm like, my second year, I'm like, all right, cool. I'm just going to take the season off because um, it was like I'm about to take this, you know, opportunity to travel. And, or even while I was overseas, um, just to be that coach on the coach that recruited me, he just left. So while while I was overseas, like literally in in Cyprus, um, doing my first study abroad trip, I'm contacting Coach Woods and sending him my my transcripts, telling him like, you know, is this the opportunity for me to come? And he was like, yeah, certainly. And I did all my transfer information from overseas while I was doing that, and he brought me on. Man, that was that's you know what I'm really proud of you. How you uh, you left the Baltimore area and now you're back. I would say giving back to the Baltimore City. <laughs> I mean, I can't be out That's... here screaming being a sitting duck, you feel me? So I got it. Right. So. But that, that is outstanding. Okay, so at Salisbury, um, what was your major again? Undergrad was international relations and communications. My master's was in conflict analysis and negotiations. Oh, man, that's, that's fantastic. Now, um, you also have a degree in... Uh, um, uh, where well, you have a doctorate, and what is that in? So yes, currently I'm working on my doctorate at Kennesaw State in international conflict management. So, just a pairing of the two, pretty much, on an international level. Well, one of the things you did, I think, I, I think in college is you uh, did a lot of volunteering. It was necessary. I had to. Um, I mean, you did things from homework club tutor to life coach for the youth and sports director i guess you know at a camp was that during the summer uh yes sir but um yes all these opportunities flowed organically within my life it wasn't nothing that i you know had to step out of line to express you know so the homework club i speak french um it was just oh you do yes sir so uh oh, wow. learned in high school so uh, being able to, you know, tutor and teach the Creole students that were yeah, at my local high school when I was at Albright, um, it was an interesting perspective um, to be able to do that. Um, and then also coaching, that's all I do. I'm, I'm in my neighborhood 24-7. Any person you know, they say, be love the kids. Since a kid, they always been calling me coach. Like even <laughs> me as a 10, 10, 11-year-old playing with 13, 14-year-olds, they call me coach for everything. So. <laughs> Yes, I'm sorry, but yeah, it's just you know it's in me. So I mean, like I said, my my father's a coach, grandfather's a coach. When I when I retire, I'm gonna be a coach, and you know, being able to support the youth, that's just that's my 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 life, you know, goal, my life purpose, really. Well, um, you've done a good job, excellent job. Tell me about the um, um, BCTV. 
Uh, you were interned there, Reading, Pennsylvania. Yeah. So during my time at Albright, uh, I was a journalist. That was one of my first internships. Okay. I was a journalist within the, the BCTV media department, which is on campus, but it was a local news um, station, and I did a lot of articles around sports for them. It was a local boxing ring that I had did a feature on some of the up and coming artists. I mean, I'm sorry, boxing. <laughs> Um, athletes coming out of the Reading area, you know, in that in that area. Also, um, I'm not sure if you remember during that time, what's the name of that guard? He played birds with the uh, crazy hair. He came out of Reading, PA as well. Um, Spurs. You got me. I'm a basketball man too. Yeah, man. But for the Spurs, Lonnie Walker. Okay, okay. Yes, he came out of the Reading um, High School. Um, district, so he was a big talent on that time. I wrote a few articles about him, and all. Um, I don't know if you ever been into a PA writing area. In that area, it's a very um, Hispanic area for them to be up there in PA in the mountains. So, for a lot of them, you know, up there was new. So, writing articles about Juneteenth and other cultural aspects there um, was very influential in the community, and that was really uh, my start and understanding my value and um, purpose and language that I use in my writing. What was your involvement with the, uh, as an intern with the P. Diddy Bad Boys reunion in Philadelphia? <laughs> Man, that was an amazing experience. Um, <laughs> I'm sure through, it was. <laughs> through, uh, honestly, I cannot lie to you. My experience is not solely through the work of me. It's through a team of all my friends who are seeing opportunities and sending them my way and, us being able to now help and support each other in which way, shape, or form we can. Um, just a quick background. My friend, Key Sean Johnson, she is one of the most magnificent individuals I like. Um, but she invited me uh, to, this was back in the, probably about two, three years ago, she invited me to Antonio Brown All-Star Game, which was in Pittsburgh at the time. Oh. I had no car. I had just got a car extension. I had no car, no money, my last $200. I took a um, Greyhound and Uber all the way there, and pretty much she was like, yeah, you know, just come and check it out. I want you to be on a part of the team. And I said that the whole – and after the game was over, I went to the VIP section, met the people, um, helped pick up some balls, and, you know, took a tour. I was talking to a town brand. It was just like, you know, just a And afterwards, the brand of the event asked me if I wanted to join the team. Perfect. So just taking that leap of faith just to be at the support. Like, I literally didn't do anything, but I took a two-hour bus ride, spent all my money just to be there and support her, and I got an offer out of it. Uh, fast forward of that, two weeks later, she asked me, was like, you know, Brian, I appreciate you. Oh, not too much. I'm sorry. That was the summer, that fall, in September. She's like, Brian, I need you. Um, she had a connect from, you know, P. Diddy's um, assistant. We need some interns. We need some people here to work on me. I was there, and opportunity was a blessing. I was literally uh, Diddy's mom's, like, kind of like security guy. I didn't even know, <laughs> but we were, um after our pre-setup for the, you know, um, celebrity uh, VIP section and people who, you know, win awards and things. I mean, I'm saying awards. um Like, you know, giveaway tickets. Yes. That. So we set up the PR event for them. Diddy came through. And, you know, we set up for the sponsorship. People hand out tickets to, you know, VIPs. It gave me experience of being able to see the whole event in totality from the pre-show to the run of the show to the end of show to the breakdown and being able to see a large scale concert like that from start to bottom. It definitely influenced my event planning, event production. I just from seeing the efficiency and the professionalism that goes about, you know, having these high professional events.
which has now led to me going on tour and working with DJ Flo within the city, who is one of the big DJs in Baltimore right now from New York that has been here went to alumni. Um, so just going on tour, and I don't know if you've you've heard, but at UMES we have a tour every year um, that goes to UMES with Flo. Right, right. It takes local high local um, artists from the community and you know, pretty much puts on a show for um for the local colleges. So um that has been an ongoing opportunity that I've been taking advantage of the last few I wouldn't have did that if I didn't yeah. step out on faith and get these experiences and just hands on contact with individuals to, you know, provide me with these different opportunities. Well I tell you what, you certainly have taken advantage of them. And one that I I really enjoy each year that we have it is the um Governor's Challenge basketball tournament in Salisbury. Yes, um, you had a chance to get involved with that a little bit. Yeah, Mr. James Simmons, he was a very cool dude. Came on the campus, grad, and he was, you know, in promotion of the chemical tourism department. And that was something I was very interested in at an early age: um, tourism, travel, entertainment, and just being able to have the opportunity to come and work in the government's challenge, which is a tournament that I played in in high school. Really. Yeah, I came and played um, down one of the first um, events that they had. So it was a blessing to be able to come and actually work it from afar. And yeah. on a social and seeing, like, even my local a, like, AU coach coming down here, and he's recruited here. And then it just brings such a different dynamic of understanding uh, the value of what tournaments bring in terms of um, local and, you know, national recognition for all these players. And then you also had an opportunity to do some work with uh, as an intern with Under Armour. Um, what were some of your uh, duties there? Or what did what were your interns doing there? Um, that internship program was a a more hybrid situation. It was for okay. I believe ten days. We sat in the teams of six out of, and it was about a hundred or so. Like I said, teams of six, and we all had a very distinct job role that we um fulfilled during that seven ten period time um from a project manager role to a designer role to uh a technological role we had to design a product and we had to do some of the top execs at ua um and my role with that was the product marketing um role i helped draw um the sketch um manage the the tech side of how will we gonna need the fabrics and also how we will market it um to our um, consumer, a target consumer, and at that time it was a woman's uh, hoodie jacket. So it was very um, interesting uh, opportunity to be in. It didn't matriculate into anything more for me personally, but I know a lot of my friends who took opportunity and then went on to participate in the UA rookie program during the summer. Um, I ain't gonna lie to you, I applied a million times to UA. I have friends there, I got family there, and it is what it is, you know. I just it just wasn't my call. It wasn't my time, you know. But certainly, amazing uh, opportunity. And I also have a clothing line, so being able to understand um, the dynamics of a product push from a larger brand like UA, it was. A... So you have a clothing line yourself? Yes, sir. I mean, my best friend. We have a clothing line. It's been going on since, sheesh, about twenty. 15, 2014, um, her sophomore year of college, my freshman year of college. So it's and, uh, and how will people reach you on that with that? Uh, it's on my Instagram. I have it, um, Rebel Native. Um, 
it's tagged hunting club. It's it's on Instagrams. Okay. <clears throat> when you were um when you were at Salisbury, uh, uh were you a grad assistant there? Yes, sir. And how did that go? I love that experience there. Salisbury provided me a platform of working in a very diverse institution. And it was the, the propelling step, propelling point that allowed me to be able to work so efficiency, so efficient at the UN. Um, as a GA, I'm in charge of the SGA. So I had my 12 directors and they had their two senators under them. So I was in charge of anywhere between 36 to 40 individuals at that point in time. And then also I was the event planner and new traditions, um, quote unquote, GA. So for Salisbury, the diversity there is interesting um, due to the fact that we live in down here in Salisbury um, and being able to correlate different types of events to appeal to the population of um, students that's coming, as well as incorporating our community as a whole. It was very challenging um, in the past. So for me as a student to see the opportunity and to come in as a GA and to merge the two, I was now having local businesses come in and support Salisbury on campus, not just getting, you know, the bring chicken on campus, but getting barbers come teach sessions and um, train, you know, up and coming barbers now to now create entrepreneurship for individuals to now get jobs off campus to to pursue other opportunities um also being able to host and create new events on campus we brought a new spring concert that was uh facilitated by uh our uh, it was a new committee that was brought on campus a new uh advisor that was brought um to help create a different opportunity and space for events that wasn't necessarily there um, initially. Um, and just to revitalize some of the rules and regulations that we had on campus that restricted some of the leniencies that we've had in the past to create the events that were more equitable for students across the board and not just for a certain population, right. uh, for lack of better words. Right. So yeah. my time um, there was extremely valuable. Um, and also we worked to do a lot of policy work there during that time, the team professors but not all of them looked at like me, you know. So how we worked on a proposal and policy that would pass for a uh, diverse team professor track that um now put in the new future plans that they were now looking to diversify the uh, track, obviously, for team professors. Um, and also creating a bereavement policy for individuals who had family, mental health issues that weren't able to complete tasks in the appropriate time matter. So being able to simple have support to students day to day was very simple that though would be included, but wasn't necessarily. So being able to help pass that policy was certainly another place that I had being a GA there. So being able to orchestrate, communicate, manage, um, and definitely, uh, like I said, manage also too. So I managed all the uh, student group clamp, student groups on campus. So our Black student union, all to 130 of them had to come through me run their um, event planning uh, process, and I had to verify that. So um, the management role uh, was certainly pushed to the limit within that, but overall supported me in every way possible that was going to be necessary for my goals of the day. Very, very impressive. 
<clears throat> you mentioned the Black Student Union. Yes. Um, when I was there, I my our group started the Black Student Union. We were the first ones. Thank you. And I was one of the first officers uh, ever. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> you currently you're also involved with the Special Olympics. Tell tell me a little bit about that. Yes, sir. So. When I came back from overseas during COVID, that's when I started my doctorate program in January 2021. Mm -hmm. Upon that program, I was blessed to work with an amazing research professor who put me in a lot of situations to challenge me. And one of the projects that we were working on was with the Special Olympics. And it was simple because we recognized that we had a disabilities site on campus which would consider the the academy, quote unquote. Um, that was the name for it. But services provide an athletic manner for them and be able to have um communal um activity to participate in outside of the educational aspect on campus was of course of extreme importance. So being able to gather them, have conversations about their needs, their wants, what times were more efficient for them, what sports were be more introductory for some students more than others and to be able to provide those opportunities for unified campus that was the ultimate uh follow-through project and that i was able to see within the special needs space um involvement sports um so additionally after finding that opportunity um i'm sorry after participating in that opportunity i found this opportunity here within special olympics maryland and it would have been a blessing to be able to find and to now adapt that I've done into more practical uses and to be able to form that on a daily day basis. I'm so happy that you're involved with that. Um, so right now, um, uh, the position that you're, you're doing right now seems very uh, versatile. You have a lot of things going on. Yes, sir. I try to keep myself busy. <laughs> I don't like being in the office much. I got you. Um, <clears throat> before I ask you about more about coaching and, and sports, tell tell me uh, about your um, you're, you're heading to London. Tell me about that. Yes. So if I didn't mention before, my role within the special limits right now, this was a, a very small role in a, in a sense. So when I say small in the sense of it's a miracle role, it was a contract role. I've been here since last August. So my role would be, which would be this August. And opportunity was opportunity for me to really get back on track with my international goals. I know I want to, my end goal is to work at an international federation like the IOC. Um, or the U.S. Paralympic Committee so um, team. So working within these these industries, I know that I have to put myself back out there. Um, and I guess not even in the sense of... Uh, uh, but just as a, a, one of my... Another step of reasons why I wanted to work special because, like I said, my end goal is to work for the IOC. So we're in Special Olympics, working in these practical games, doing these things, it will all lead up to what my overall goal is working the dynamics of Olympic Games on the 10th level. So, with 
the program that I signed up to do in London, where we'll be performing or facilitating the Royal Triathlon at the Royal Windsor Castle for a week. So we'll be there hosting triathlon there, which also falls in line with the Olympic style games I love. And as a stepping stone, like I said, as far as me working with Special Olympics in Maryland here, I'll be volunteering and working with the Special Olympics uh, Berlin team um, to host our national games in Germany. So for the whole month of June, I'll be gone. I'll be two weeks in London. I'll be another two weeks in Berlin and early um and it's the first person I'm telling you the first person so yeah <laughs> um I'm, I'm going over there and i'm taking that leap of faith to to get my my footing and to get back on the international side and if i don't i feel like regardless of me joining an alumni of living sport i've received so much love and i haven't even started the program so i can only imagine how it's going to be once i'm you know done the connection i have my future is bright regardless of where i'm at right now and i'm just happy to be here in this space and get. I love it. Yes. Now, I'm going to ask you a couple questions here. Um, Tell me how coaching or sports has impacted your life. Man. (laughs) Everything, everything, everything. Like to (laughs) teach or to coach, you have to be the, the, you have to be real with yourself. But also, you got to be like 100% know yourself and be real because people call you out on it 100%. And that's a blessing because the kids keep it real. They're going to keep you young and they're going to call it out. They're going to call it spade a spade. So for me personally, being a coach um, now, even though I was quote unquote a coach when I was a kid playing as a point guard, you're obviously the coach on the court. Right. It's definitely um, a realization that, wow, like your perspective is not always the right perspective 100 percent. one two listening standing and being patient i remember like coach mentioning and i'm, I'm gonna say this because it's 100 percent true i'm coaching my girls team now and the talent level obviously is not as good as the boys and they're a lot younger but the development the patience the time the 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 spirit the feel that you get from like can't even take the ball to the to the backboard to make a layup to after two practices you know taking that taking one two uh, dribble one two and making the layup like it, it like those small progressions is warming and I don't know if you feel I just got excited to even talk about because it, it's like it's just it's it's a it's a different love for the game and to be able to teach it to a kid and just the nuance of it not seeing them you know get thirty in a game but literally taking their time and trying something. And I feel like due to the the atmosphere of sports, specifically rec versus AAU and how things are now being a lot more, the idea of sports being utilized as a fun zone to be able to just be that, that medium to, you know, teach you the life skills that you need to be able to, you know, orchestrate those, those, uh, those disciplinary actions that, you know, sometimes your parents can't necessarily get off, but a coach could, you know, those, those ideas that are so useful and needed in a kid's life are not being, you know, connected with on a certain level due to the the harshness of how, you know, to youth rec versus a trade and the lack of, you know, small youth grassroots programs due to recreation and parks programs. So it's, it's extremely meaningful and useful to know these things, but until we have things in place that support these um, systems in totality, 
um, and to have activists like myself who wanted to be a coach for the right reasons and ultimately investing in the kids and, you know, feeling the same feeling that I have, hopefully, of seeing these kids grow at a minimal level and to see them try. You know, I think a lot of kids these days are even scared to try to be good at something due to the fact that they're criticized. So for me as a coach, um, that's all I ever want is to inspire. And if you ain't got to be the best basketball player. You ain't got to be the best at anything in sports. If you like sports, cool, come to me. I'm going to find a way for you to get involved. I'm going to find a way for you to have fun. And I'm going to find you a job opportunity and listen to you and communicate with you and figure out what are you good at? What do you like? What like keeps you up at night? And we're going to find a way how to involve sports in that. So now you in the space of where you want to be at in the sports arena, doing something that you love, whether it's photography, writing, um, um, social media, uh, marketing, any of that. If you like to be on media, um, TikTok all day, sure, we're going to put that. Come on. Like, but it's about how do you now divert the kids' attention and now allow them to be productive in the matter that they want to be productive in, not telling them that they got to know Y equals MX plus B, because if they don't even know the concept of why they're going to use that, it's not even going to pop up when it's time to use it as an adult. And I promise you, nobody's using that. Brian, um, what effect do you think you might have had on some of your players? Man. Oh, you haven't. <laughs> Um, over COVID, and this is, I guess, in the sense of me tying this all together, the reason why I want to be a coach as well. So when I came back from overseas during COVID, my coach, Anthony, Duty, Lewis, remember that name, Squirrel, Duty, okay. everything. He, you look him up right now, he's coached the greatest players coming out of Baltimore City. He mm. called me and was like, you know, he obviously knew that I want to be a coach. kid. He was like, you know, this lady named Miss Chrissy who has this program, and she's a basketball coach. And it was right behind the St. Anne's Church on Grandmount Ave. So during that time, I introduced myself. We had our kids there, all the kids that she had going on there. And it was this young girl named Yaya. And she wasn't the best basketball player. I don't even think she was, like, really interested in basketball, but she was there because of her friends. And she was the... I guess the nuisance in the room, I guess for lack of better words, because she was the young girl kind of causing trouble during the games, blah, blah. But, like, if you talk to her outside of, you know, Jim, um, outside of the, the family impact that's on her every day, if you in the house getting called to be every day, you know, that's what you're going to you say. You gonna, you know, that's how you're going to express yourself. Yep. And for me personally, not to be the coach, like I said, I'm not training with her every day. Um, but to have the impact that I had on her, communicate some of the things that was going on with her family to talk about um, how, you know, her dynamics is kind of like, you know, affecting the family that actually is affecting her. Our relationship has grown, you know, in so many different levels. Um, so, something as simple as me sending her money to get a ride home from work um, or her being able to call me to talk about her family issues. Those are things that I, I'm just immediately there for just off the fed. It's like I was that same kid who used to call um, Minute, who was one of my coaches, my big brother, every time something happened at my house, and my uncle was fighting, and my guy hit, you know what I'm saying? 
right. calling them and they was coming to get me. So no doubt I have to be there and support them. And like I said, this is the same girl who was cussing everybody out that nobody felt like they can control who is now a year and a half later, who was taken out of her environment, moved into a better environment with her grandmother, who I have not heard cuss in the last, you know, two months of talking to her. She has a job. Um, I mean, obviously, she had to be a lot more Same job she's at. She's uh, getting good grades, straight students. So it depends on the atmosphere of that kid and, and the, the exposure and the want for the individuals in their lives to make that kid see the potential in themselves. Like, you got to allow them and speak truth into these individuals. Cause if not, then it's like they, the worth that they feel for themselves is all they're putting into themselves. But seeing other people pour into them is what they ultimately need. Um, you're going to be an excellent coach. Um, Brian, what would you tell kids about following their dreams? Man. I know. You got do it now or you're going to do it later like if you don't follow your dreams pretty much you're going to be living somebody else's dream that that's the all reality of it like following your dreams and i think that's really hard it's hard for kids to matriculate dreams i think sometimes because we're only exposed to what we know you know so it's, you ask a 10 year old kid right now what you want to be you're going to say a, a lawyer doctor firefighter you know or whatever else he see on a day-to-day basis but if you're not being exposed to things, to dreams, like how are you, how are you going to actually reveal those dreams to yourself? Like my dreams right now, I ain't going to lie to you. If I wasn't in the sports world, I'd be a hundred and I'm still working on these goals right now. I would be a hundred percent producing movies. Like as a kid, I didn't dream about being a producer of movies. I love uh, do the right thing. I love Spike Lee, but I didn't think I could be Spike Lee. You know, and right. until I got of age now and I'm seeing my friends who who are literally, you know, the geeks who used to just watch TV all day, every day as kids. Now seeing them that that hunger and just love for TV matriculate into them actually producing and, you know, making films now because that love of what you ultimately just love to do naturally is something that you could do for the rest of your life without somebody having to tell you, you got to go get a job to work for somebody. You can literally create your own thing and get paid for it today, right now. All my kids, I tell them, do not worry about getting a job. Do not say, I want to get a job. I, I hate when my niece say, oh, I'm just going to get a job. Job, what is a job? What is a, job? a job is something you wake up and you go to and do, or you can wake up and just be a job. With, uh, with the uh, city girls, I work a job. I am a job, man. Yeah, you you an individual entrepreneur. You the person that somebody's paying you for your service. If you draw the same way every day starting at 10 years old to 21 years old. I don't care if it gets better or not. Somebody's going to see your growth or they're going to recognize it as that's your personal style. And they're going to love you for it or they're going to hate you for it or somebody's going to pay you for it. One of my friends, Benny Hager, one of the best artists coming out of Baltimore City, he draws hieroglyphics, very simple hieroglyphics and is getting, like, you know, selling art off of what looks like an envelope. Like his graffiti is just simple as simple as an envelope. That's his specific brand. But he's been doing it since he's been a kid. So now he's getting flown out all over just to literally draw his stamp on certain things and pieces. And those pieces can be a $5 table. Once he draws his art on it, now it's worth $3,000. You know what I'm saying? So it's the idea of what you're now pursuing as your goals and your dreams. What are your dreams? What do you like to do? A lot of kids can't tell you that. I couldn't tell you that at 14. All I knew was bad. Right. That was when my realization came in was that what am I about to do now? Like, what else do am I good at? What else do I like to do? 
And I honestly didn't figure that out until I moved to Philly because all my life playing basketball here was uh, so active survival. So I wasn't in the streets with my brothers who was, you know, actively doing that thing out in the streets and my mother, drug users. So sports was just my way of not seeing it, not being involved in it and keeping when I moved to Philly, it was just like, I knew that basketball was my end all be all, but it was like, what else am I good at? Having that space to now back up and not be in survival mode and not feel like I'm doing this literally for my life to now think about what do I want to do for my life. That's a whole different situation. Right. Now, being involved with a lot of <clears throat> kids in sports, what role would you say good sportsmanship plays in youth sports? Are you there? Yeah. Good sportsmanship? Yes. Too much good sportsmanship. Like, you guys, <laughs> it's even me or you. Yeah, that's really what it is. It's me or you. And How about I'm in the rec leagues? I'm sorry. How about in the rec leagues? There's some noise going on. No, but that's something, when I say that, like, it's groomed in the blood. It's like me and you. When I was a kid, the Easter tournament, BNBL, um, all those summer leagues that was at the dome and at least though, regardless of it being AU or regularly, it was, you know, he'll be killed. But I hundred percent agree. Obviously, perspective of a coach, sportsmanship is the top tier, hundred percent end goal of what you're trying to do. Everybody's here to have fun and to learn. So nobody is here to, you know, get hurt. Nobody's here to inflict pain. Nobody's here to ultimately truly embarrass somebody, even when it comes down to, you know, small things, the mercy rule, things like that. Like, ultimately, it is here for everybody to be engaged fully, to support each other, um, and be in a competitive environment. Sportsmanship itself today has gotten to a whole different level due to the fact of so many added to it, uh, with the ranking system, uh, the coaches and um, the words, the uh, the roadies who come, who are 15, 16 years old, getting ranked so highly. But these are grown men, like kind of like you know, being in that air, so you know, telling one way or the other, yep. and kind of you know, deciphering or dictating how they think of themselves and how they move, and you know. Think- Brian, do you have any hobbies or? Are you a golfer? <laughs> Shoot, I wish, man. I definitely have more business conversations. <laughs> um. Oh, well, is there anything else you would like to add? Uh, no, um, certainly in my free time, um, I'm a photographer and <laughs> aspiring DJ. Me and my best friends from school, radio station, I'm hosted out of the Eat Hotel. Um, for full service music providers, we help promote uh, some of the local DMV artists coming out of the scene, and host activations for local businesses and partnerships with local sponsors, promoting their businesses in the area. So we do a lot. Um, it really originated from a home base um, back at Salisbury. We had our and it was real organic. So have an opportunity to be able to combine my business perspective with my creative side, you know, that's definitely a blessing. We uh we just hosted a party for Issa Ray during her weekend here at the Kennedy Center back in March. So that was a blessing. And overall, 
um, it's a great opportunity just to, you know, stay active and, you know, stay in the field and be inspired by my friends. I think that's what keeps me ultimately going. And, and I'm kind of really, you know, on my own and meeting my friends from an international side. And those are usually, you know, business now grown team with my you know general and friends and see us growing and all aspects of who we are as people that's truly a blessing um so yeah but uh well brother i think you're doing an excellent job and i wish you the best of luck in the future and i think you have a bright future and on that note brian i guess i bring our podcast to an end the 106th episode of the Honda Handys podcast has been brought to you by a residence in by Marriott in Ocean City, your journey to an unforgettable stay at their hotel. Located at 300 Seabay Lane, call 410-723-2222 or find them on the web at residenceinoc.com. My guest today has been Brian Anderson. Brian, remember, if you think you can, you can. Thank you for being on. Stay safe and keep smiling. Awesome. You too. Thank you.